Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Sunrise on the Inside podcast, a space where we share inspiring interviews and stories from thoughtful leaders in business, health and wellness, entrepreneurship and sports. Here we talk about tools, habits, routines and tactics they use that help them feel calm, revived and rebalanced whenever they face challenges in life. I'm your host, Nico Estrella, a serial entrepreneur, former professional soccer player and co-founder of WACU. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Sunrise on the Inside podcast. I am very excited for our episode today. I have with me uh, Violet. Violet, she's a social media food content creator. She currently lives in San Francisco with her dog and boyfriend and has a focus on gluten-free and healthy content. You should definitely follow her. Her handle on TikTok is Violet Cooks. Her content is mouth-watering. It's amazing content. And... She recently graduated from Bazaar with an economics degree and is just starting to uh, to work in social media full time. Um, I am very excited for today's conversation. Violet, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So, Violet, I wanted to start asking you, um, actually, I, I was very curious to learn how you started your career as a, as a food content creator. I know that... Some of your first posts I, I saw were like around August in 2020. So I guess that was like right in the, in, in the, during the pandemic. Um, so I, I was very curious to learn about your story. Like how did you end up uh, yeah. doing this? Yeah. Um, I mean, like a lot of people during peak COVID, you know, I was home, I was scrolling the For You page and I've always liked to cook. I used to work in a restaurant as a line cook, actually, which was how I learned to kind of cook. And I wanted to do food science in college originally, but I didn't get into the program I wanted to. So I'd always has, I'd, I've always had a passion for it. But yeah, one day I just made a couple TikToks when I was at school and I want to say like for the first 10, none of them really took off. I never got more than like 5,000 views. And then one day I made some tacos because um, the restaurant I used to work at was, it was called Mountain Taco. And it was so, I'm from a little mountain town in Durango. I went to high school here. Uh, and it's like, so I made a lot of tacos and ate a lot of tacos. And I made these tacos and it got like 4 million overnight, which was like oh at the time crazy to me. Because I, I remember one video got 10K and I was like, wow, like I'm famous. <laughs> <laughs> that's, and, that's amazing though. Yeah. And then I just stuck with it and it was pretty slow, consistent growth for about eight months. And then eight months in, I had one video get 32 million views, which was insane. That is. Um, yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then so... Wow, that, that that's very interesting to me because we've we've been trying to kickstart our our TikTok account with Waku and it's not as easy as as it sounds for everybody that's listening. So I have I have a couple questions there. So when you made your first videos, um, were you already thinking like, okay, I want I want this thing to grow and blow up, or? Or were you starting to do it as, as more as a, like, oh, like a fun thing, just like, just to do it? Yeah, I think 
uh, I mean, I don't want to sound cliche, but it was like, oh, like I was just doing it for fun. But I think everyone has the hope in the back of their head that like, oh, maybe I'll blow up and I can be an influencer and not have to work in finance. And uh, growing up, I watched the YouTubers, the OG YouTube influencers, and I always was like so jealous of them. I'm like, oh my God, my dream job is literally to, you know, do that. And then it actually happened, which is crazy. <laughs> so I, I don't want to say I wasn't thinking about it. I feel like that would be dishonest. I was definitely secretly hoping it would happen, but I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, no, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. And um, so the first videos that you made, were they like very highly produced? Because like when, when I see, like I was scrolling through your, through your feed uh, uh, and I, I really like the content that you make. And whenever I see one of those videos that you make of food, they seem like very pro, like they, they seem so well curated and, and, and very well done. So I, I can see that you put a lot of effort in, in making those videos. Uh, and were, they, were the videos like that since the beginning or do you think they, ha they have been improving as you, as you keep learning more? Oh yeah, they used to be so bad. Looking back, I'm like, how did people watch this? But I used to film, <laughs> I used to film on, I think it was like an iPhone 10 with no lighting because I was in a dorm kitchen and our dorm didn't have overhead lighting even. And the stove, it was so, it was not good. Like our stove was tilted and one burner worked. And I had like a, like one of those target sets you get that has like the most basic cookware. It was not a high quality production. And then eventually I got a light panel, which was big for me. I one of the little $10 lighting cubes, which was an upgrade. And then I didn't I start, <laughs> I didn't start filming seriously with like high quality camera until I met my boyfriend who was really into photography um, and videography. And he had like a Sony a seven with like a really nice lens. Um, and I got into that and then I got into lighting, um, which I think lighting is like, people always ask starting out, like how should you do it? If you spend money on anything, like spend money on lighting before you spend money on a nice camera is my advice always. But yeah. And then I started doing that. So it's been like a two year process and I didn't even color grade anything until like six months ago. You can tell, but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so. I I really like that. that. That's that's very interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, and and that makes that makes a lot of sense. And of course, you have to. The, the most important thing is to start right, and I think it's the the quality of the content that you're that you're putting in that's gonna be that's gonna be very very interesting. So yeah, I I think like a, a follow up question that I had was uh, I, I think you already touched a little bit upon this, but I was going to ask if you had already a, a background in, in nutrition or in cooking or, uh, but so, so I, I was going to ask you if you can uh, tell us a little bit more about like, what is about food or what is it about cooking these type of recipes that you, that you enjoy doing? Yeah, I've always loved to cook. It's just been You know, it's one of those things on college essays. They're like, why do you love X? And it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, because I like it. Um, so I've always loved cooking. I would take like cooking classes growing up, which was really fun. And then I worked in a food, a couple of food science laboratories in high school because I thought I was going to go into like food science research and develop recipes from a commercial side. That was like my dream job used to be a recipe developer for Ben and Jerry's. Um, I love her. Oof, ben and Jerry's. That'd be fun. That would be so fun. 
I, th those people are really creative. Right. The, the flavors that they come up with, they are amazing. Oh my God. I still think if they made like a gluten-free cookie dough, it would fly off the shelves. Which, which one is your favorite, Ben and Jerry's? Ben and Jerry's, oh my God. I'm lactose intolerant, but Cherry Garcia, I eat it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mine is fish food. I, I really like it. With the marshmallow and the caramel. Yeah, it's so yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. And for me, like, I was introduced to Ben & Jerry's when I moved to, to here to the States. I moved here, like, about four years ago. And, like, in Ecuador, we do eat ice cream. Yeah. Uh, but it's not that common to have, like, pints of ice cream in your fridge. So when I started to date my girlfriend, she loves Ben & Jerry's and she loves ice cream. And... um. I remember that it was like for me it was like super interesting to come to go to her house and like every time she would open the free the freezer, it would be like six different pints of Ben and Jerry's of different flavors and that was like amazing for me. It was like, oh my god, you have buy an an ice cream shop here in your house. So I, I I've been I've learned to to really appreciate ice creams here. It's so good. I also have you ever tried it is it's not Ben and Jerry's, but like the mango popsicles, and then you sprinkle tahini on the mango popsicle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's bomb. <laughs> yeah. Where, where did you try that? Someone showed it to me. I can't remember who. And then I saw someone showed it to me as a trick. I can't remember if it was TikTok. I have this horrible trait. Of, my friends make fun of me for this. They're, I'll say, like, oh, I read something somewhere. And they're like, you, you saw that on TikTok. You didn't read that. <laughs> yeah. But... I don't know if I saw it on TikTok or if someone showed me. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to ask you, what is one of the one of the best things that you've learned to do on TikTok? Or one of the, the, like the coolest things that you've seen recently on TikTok? Yeah, I have gotten really into credit card points. Do you follow any of the credit card points people? No, no, I, I don't. Well, what, what do they talk about? Just like tricks on how to get more points with your credit cards? Yeah, I used to like put everything on a debit card. I mean, I had a credit card, but I like wasn't consciously using it at all. And I've gotten really into like credit cards and like figuring out how to best use them. And if you do it right and like follow the tricks and stuff, you can get so much like bang for your buck. It's crazy. And like travel for free, like all this food for like, you know, so much cheaper. It's awesome. I love that. And, and like, normally like the, the crowd that listens to, to my podcast is, is a bit more like around their forties. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure how familiar they are with TikTok, but uh, I think like one of the misconceptions of TikTok is that you are going to just get into TikTok and you're just going to see like the silly dances or like the, the trends mm -hmm. uh, that are in like in, in the dancing or music, but you can learn a lot from TikTok. Like you can learn like, very good recipes like like your your account for example like if you, if people follow you like you can see like really really good recipes um finance stuff startup stuff like you can learn a lot if you follow the right accounts right mm -hmm. yeah definitely i feel like there's like a couple sides to tiktok in the educational side i mean i like to think that the creators that do like more educational content have more longevity because people always ask like what are you going to do in you know, TikTok goes away. I'm like, mm, I it doesn't. <laughs> but yeah, like I've learned to cook so much better just from having TikTok, like finances, cleaning. Oh my God, cleaning TikTok. I'm like addicted to it. 
cleaning TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are they cleaning TikTok? Like they show just like tips on how to mm -hmm. like when cleaning your place or something like that. Yeah, yeah. There's this one woman. Um, I'm blanking on her name. She collapsed with like that one sponge company. I feel like. Oh, the Scrub Daddy company? Yeah, Scrub Daddy. Um, and she um, she showed me this one, or like I'm her friend. Um, she has this one how where it's like the dish scrubby with the soap in it, and you put like vinegar and dish soap in, and you keep it in your shower. And so now when I deep condition, I like do it while I shower. That's crazy. I know. I'm like, I never would have done that. Like, it's awesome. I I love it. I, I really like it. And him. Yeah, so it's very interesting, like like what, what you said, uh, when people ask you, what would you do if TikTok goes away? Um, I think in general, like how, like the, the first thing that came to my mind when you mentioned that, is that I've seen a lot of content creators that started on Vine and like they were doing Vines like years ago, like whenever I was, I, I was in high school, they were, they were doing Vines and now then just like their careers evolved and now they are huge on YouTube or they are huge on now on TikTok. Uh, so I think like TikTok is just like the platform, right? Like the value is in the, in the creativity that you put in and just like gonna, definitely you're gonna find that if there's a new platform in the future, just gonna curate the content for the new platform, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's my hope you do kind of tend to see the same types of people popping up again and again as new platforms develop. Um, so like, yeah, I like to think it's not TikTok. that I'd like to think that I am like some factor in my success and like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, definitely. yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, I think definitely. So, So yeah, I think it's like about the quality content and all that, right? Mm -hmm. And so this leads me to, to my next question that I had was like, um, when you are gonna make a new recipe, uh, whenever you're gonna make a new video, um, how do you get inspiration for those recipes? Like, do, do you make the recipes from the ground up or, or do, you, do you have like your go-to sources for, for very good recipes? Because like, For me, I, I don't know how to cook. Like I cook basically for survival. So for me, doing something like like what you do is, feels very daunting because if I would sit down and say like, okay, today I'm gonna do a new recipe, uh, I would just like freeze and don't know what to do. So I was very curious to know like if you have like where where do you get the inspiration from to get to make your recipes. Um, so I get a lot of inspiration from restaurants and travel and like going over to dinner at friends house and TikTok. Like I'll see something that looks really good. Um, in Pinterest, I spend a lot of time on Pinterest and then the way I develop recipes is I have a couple like base recipes, if that makes sense. So like if I'm making, and I read a lot of cookbooks. So if I'm making a salad dressing, there's just like a base ratio of like acid to fat to like seasoning. And then mm -hmm. I just kind of mix it up from there. And same with meats and marinades. I'm like, okay, you know, I can mix up the seasoning in the blend. And then from there, once you have your marinade, your meat, you can recombine that with like a different grain and a different um, things like that. And there's the combinations just get more and more exponential. And then 
I have a meat thermometer that like, this is how I get all my cook times that you put in and it's like connected to an app. So I just like write down like how long it takes because otherwise I'm just like guessing checking, but I'm like, it tells me when it's done. So I'm like, Oh, this is exactly how long it takes to cook this. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a combination. Um, but yeah. I love that. Yeah, and I really like that idea of having some base recipes that, that can help you because like what, what I am, what I'm trying to think of right now is like, if I have some type of base and I don't think so, and probably that's why it feels so daunting, but, but yeah, it makes sense. Like if you have a marinade, that's amazing. Maybe you can use that same marinade with fish, with chicken and with meats. Uh, I'm not sure if it works like that. I'm not sure if you can use the, the same marinade with everything. Can, can it be done like that? Yeah, exactly. So like I'll have a seasoning blend that I really like with chicken and then I'm like, oh, let me try this on a fish taco. And then I'll usually, I so about like 30, so of all the food I make, I probably only film 30% of it. And of everything I film, I probably don't post about 30 to 50%. Like the amount of footage I have that's just like, I'm like, oh, this didn't turn out the way I wanted. This doesn't look aesthetically how I wanted it too is just like so much so yeah a lot of it's like testing it and like oh this doesn't work let me add a little bit more garlic powder let me add a little bit less let me cook it longer like that type of thing yeah i got it got it and what are what are some of the like have you seen any trends in particular of like types of food or types of cuisine that are more that get more popular or get, or get more views or, or it's very random and like, it's very different from, from video to video. Yeah. I have found that foods from other countries do much better long-term. So like you can get a bunch of views if I posted like something really cheesy and greasy and like very American, um, you can get a ton of views, but it won't convert. Like people won't save the recipe. But if I post like a Mediterranean salad, if I post tacos, if I post pho, a ton of people save that recipe because they like intend to make it. Um, I think it's, yeah, American food is interesting. Um, you know, yeah. it's really hard because a lot of my followers are gluten-free, dairy-free. And most American food is based around, you know, gluten and dairy in some yeah. aspect which is kind of tough. So I, I do get a lot of comments like, Oh, how come you always make food from other countries? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. Like, and, and it, it makes sense because also like, I, I guess it's like for, for me, I'm very curious to like, I, I was, I was recently looking in your profile that you recently went, um, you went traveling for your graduation, right? To what country did you go there? Uh, we went to Iceland. To Iceland, yeah. And, and I saw that you tried a very good chicken soup there, right? That you that you tried to replicate. That that was very curious to me. That like that that was one of the recipes that I saw. Like I was like, oh, I, I I actually want to make this. Sounds very interesting. Very cool. Right. It sounds like so good because it's like interesting and new, and people are like, oh, I've never heard of that. I've never seen that. Whereas like you know, if I post a hamburger, people are like, it's a hamburger. Yeah. What am I getting? Because yeah. my following is also, I think it's 85% American. Got it. So, and then after that, it's like America, Canada, Australia, England, I want to say. Got it. So very much people like to like diversify their 
their you know their palate but it's tough because it is like you don't want to culturally appropriate you don't want to like make the food incorrectly and have it be disrespectful so it's definitely uh, you know trying to balance that yeah I, i was about to ask i i was about to ask you that like whenever you are cooking these dishes from from the different cultures like did, like did you talk with somebody in iceland that like told you how to make it or then or, or it's more like you go and do the research on how to make that soup that 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 you try yeah, uh, yeah. um it was funny i like asked them what was in the soup <laughs> and they were like because i was trying to like get the they're like you'll see you'll see <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah sometimes i'll talk to people um like one of my roommates in college was asian um and he his parents cooked for him a ton and he would actually cook a lot so he taught me a lot of how to like what the different seasonings do like what i didn't know what fish sauce was before i met him um so people like that like really teach me a lot which is awesome but when i'm traveling and stuff it's a little harder in restaurants i will like go up to the staff and i'll be like how'd you make this sometimes <laughs> which is like, yeah kind of awkward but i really do try to like get people to teach me how to do it correctly but i don't want to go to culinary school because it's like such an ordeal so it's yeah, it's, yeah. that makes sense balance. yeah yeah it's definitely a balance um i was gonna ask you as well um for somebody like me that's a bit i wouldn't say you're scared but it's like I, I whenever I see somebody that really knows how to cook, I, I respect that a lot, and I feel that that's like a skill that's like very difficult to acquire. So it feels kind of like daunting, I would say, to to learn how to cook well. Um, but what would you say there if you have uh, any tips for somebody that's starting to learn how to cook better dishes? Because like in, in my case, it's like I know how to make three or four dishes and those are the three or four dishes that I eat every day so it gets boring um, and yeah. I know that I could be eating way better you know but it's a bit daunting sometimes so um, what, what what tips would you give me to, to kind of like get rid of that fear and just like start to get better better at cooking yeah I would say um, don't be afraid of like this sounds bad, but kind of pseudo pre-prepared food. So you know how you can get like pre-cooked rice and you can get, um, if you go to like Whole Foods, you know how you can get like the, or Trader Joe's, you can get the pre-prepared, pre-chopped vegetables that are like already diced and you can a lot of the time get seasoning blends. So it can be super daunting to have like 20, see a recipe that's like 20 different seasonings and then be like, go buy a pound of potatoes, like go buy, cook your own rice from scratch. And it can be a lot easier if you get like the pre-prepared rice, the pre-prepped vegetables in a seasoning packet. And it's like kind of baby steps towards being able to do that yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've, I've never thought of that. And yeah, that of course, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, and then you, you like... It, it almost feels like a little bit like like you're hacking or, or or cheating a little bit like like I, I I'm not sure if this is true or not but it almost feels like I am not really cooking I'm just like putting the ingredients together exactly. uh, but, but yeah that like takes a lot of a lot of the fear out of the of the equation because it's like literally yeah. just gonna put things together 
Yeah, I feel like cooking is really just a gradual. So like, you know, like the top tier is takeout. And then the step down from takeout is like my, a meal you microwave at home. And then the step down from that is like, you know, the the bags of vegetables where it's like steam in the bag and then you add a sauce that's separate. And then from there, it's like making that sauce yourself. And it's, it's kind of baby steps. And like people people see it as very binary sometimes and it's like you make everything from scratch or you're not making it at all and i feel like there's a lot in between i really like that yeah that's that's totally true um yeah that makes a lot of sense do you, do you have any other other tips uh, for for that um once yeah, once I you want to start let's say upping your game what would be the next step like if you want to start upping your game a little bit so if i have like one product for people to buy is like a really good knife sharpener that was like the or it doesn't it's not about the knife it's about how sharp it is so like i had for a while it was literally a three dollar knife i got in like a set from wayfair but i bought a knife sharpener and it i it was very low quality metal so i did have to sharpen it very regularly But the difference in having a really sharp knife to be able to prep your food is just like such a world of difference. Wow. And what, why do you think it, it makes such a big difference in ha having good knives or sharpened knives? Um, so like I was, I'm staying with my family this week and my parents have the dullest knives on the planet. Um, and so I was trying to cut a tomato and I was like sawing at it. It probably took me like three times as long. That sounds like my knives. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, you know how you go to a restaurant and it's like very aesthetic and everything looks so good and all the slices are even and symmetrical with clean edges. It's because they have like really sharp knives. And I, I didn't learn that until I got them. And I'm like, oh, it, it wasn't me. It was the knife. What was it? Sorry. It wasn't me. It was the knife. Ah, got it. Got it. Yeah. Oh, that that's that's very interesting. I've never thought about about the knife. Yeah, and it's easy to get a knife sharpener. A knife sharpener. Yeah, I think they're like ten dollars on Amazon. They're like, I think the most affordable way to like just improve your your kitchen skill set. Got it. Got it. Um, I know that for for a lot of people. Um, Cooking, yeah, I know that a lot of friends that have cooking as their as their hobby, or I, I know a lot of friends that really enjoy cooking because for them it's a time where they can just disconnect from from their day to day. It's just like a, they have a lot of fun doing it, and it's a lot of people say it's very cathartic for them, and it just like helps them just like relax and just like disconnect from the from their from their day to day. Um, I am very curious, like for you, is that the case as well? Or, or like in your day to day, whenever you cook for yourself, let's say for, for your lunch or for your dinner, and it's not like all produced and because like, I probably, I think that probably it's like very different, very different scenarios for you. Do you get that as well from, from cooking uh, or One of those things that as you've been doing that the whole day, just like you just want a very easy to do meal and get done with it. No, I love to cook just like on my own. I think it's so fun. Um, 
I do really enjoy it. It's, uh, I will say like cooking on camera has become more of a chore and especially you get, you know, criticism online about every single tiny thing. Like if my nails are, if my manicure is a tiny bit grown out, I, I'll get comments on it. So there have been times where I'm like filming a video and I'm like, stop the video, go get a manicure and come back, which is like so ridiculous. Um, so cooking on camera is very, yeah, like you said, yeah, but like cooking off camera, I like, I love it, especially with friends and family. It's like super fun and enjoyable. And we have this thing, like I cook and my boyfriend cleans, which just like, cause the worst part about cooking is cleaning in my opinion. So yeah, I, I, love to I, I would definitely take that deal. My, my, me and my girlfriend, we both are not great at cooking. So, so we, both of us want the dishes and that, that, that doesn't work. <laughs> Somebody yeah. has to take the bullet. Yeah. We just, um, my neighbor is, uh, he's another famous food TikToker, Salt Hank. And so he just moved into my building and it's really nice because we've started having dinner with him. So it's uh-huh. like, if you can find someone else that likes to cook, it, it, it's good. It's, you know, it's really nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's so nice to have him. It would be awesome to get invited to one of, the, one of your dinners. I, I bet, like, the food is on point. I know. I see his TikToks, and I'm like, oh, like, that looks really good. Like, do you want to make that? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, I I know that you have a a funny story about your mom growing up in a in a commune that you said it became viral. Like whenever you told that story or something like that, I, I wanted that, I've never listened to that story, so I was very curious about it. Uh, if you want to share it with us, it's like my most viral video. So um, I started off like I didn't think it would go viral. I. I mean, I guess it was like part of me growing up. So I was like, oh, it's so normal. But my mom was like born on a commune. Um, I don't think I've ever like told the full story. But so my grandfather was from, you know, like Greenwich and um, his parents died when he was 21. So he inherited a ton of money um, and he had just graduated from Yale and he moved cross country and started. It was the 70s. So he started a commune, which was like the thing to do in the seventies, if you were California at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so we started this commune um, and my grandmother moved out to California to join the commune, which is wild, but I think people did. And she was 21 and she got pregnant with my mom. And so she had my mom like literally on this commune and the commune was very much like, you know, you're you live off the earth it's like a holistic thing you grow all your own fruits and vegetables like you raise all your own animals and so and my grandma was very you know she just passed recently but she was very holistic and believed you know like food is healing so she would always cook very natural organic food for us um and so my mom would always like cook tons of salads for us growing up um because she was just like raised that way like she everything she ate was from her garden and so yeah, it was kind of, everyone. it turned into a meme. People were like, well, I was born in a trailer park, so I ate a lot of Easy Mac growing up. And people kept saying the most more and more ridiculous stuff. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> 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 crazy. 
Uh, oh, so, so, the, so the video started with your mom saying like, oh, I grew up in a commune, so that's why I make all these salads. And that, that became the, the viral thing and the meme. Yeah, because people were uh, like, I, I should have explained it more. I, I guess people didn't really connect that like commune, you grow all your own vegetables, you eat a lot of salads. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I remember posting it and I was like, oh, you know, video, whatever, it'll get maybe a million. And it, I was like, what like it blew up so quick it was great but what did your mom say like did she know that that her her video became so viral yeah yeah so if i'm ever posting about like friends or family i always clear it with them before because ugh, it's such a pet peeve of mine when people post something that's like borderline and they're like i didn't expect it to go viral and like you post it on an app where like the point is to go viral like yeah, <laughs> so, yeah she knew i posted it i don't think she knew it would get 32 million views but like a bunch of people sent it to her and the commune was like communal living, you know? So there are other commune children that found it and like reached out, which was crazy. That is crazy. I love that. Yeah. It's kind of insane. So yeah, the commune is, yeah. I hear crazy stories about it all the time. It's still like in the family. So I still, I, I get to go up there and stuff. Um, yeah. I, I know very little about like that lifestyle. I know that, uh from my girlfriend's family she she's also from california and she she grew up in oakland uh, i know that i think it's one of her grandmothers or somebody from her grandmother's family that also grew up in a in a commune uh, and when i met her she was telling me a little bit about it but she was not very open about it so i, I wasn't I, I didn't want to pride too much so I, I i really don't know many people that have lived in in communes but it's very interesting to me it, it sounds like such a such a different mindset from what we currently have or what we currently or what's currently mainstream so it's very interesting to me it's crazy yeah a bunch of them some of them are much more cultish than others um and some of them I think my grandfather's commune was more of like a free love and like mother nature commune and more of a spiritual commune as opposed to more of like a, um, uh, like a lot of them do like a lot of drugs and yeah. we're very like culty like that. So yeah, that, that was more his type of commune. Uh, it was a really strange period of time. I think a lot of people have a lot of like trauma from it. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's probably why they don't talk about it. I don't know. I don't, I hear some stories about it and I'm like, oh, wow. It, it was a very interesting period because I, I also know that, that in that period was when they were starting to experiment a lot with psychedelic drugs and um, they were more, like way more common and way more available. And uh, so there was, there was a lot of that going on as well. So it's, yeah, I think it's a very, a very interesting period because I, I know that from what I've from what I've learned from that period is that um, the some of, some of the psychedelic drugs that are, that are now being used and tested for treating trauma and treating addiction and treating uh, uh, those type of mental disorders um, when they discovered that in the seventies everybody was super excited because of the potential that those drugs have had for mental health. And I'm not sure if this story is like I haven't I haven't like 
uh, read enough about the story to see if it's uh, true or not. But if, if I'm talking like maybe uh, what what's the word for that is like a conspiracy story or a conspiracy theory or not. But what I learned was that um, the government put this type of drugs on like the same bucket as uh, heroin and cocaine and all those other drugs that, that are very bad for you. Because this this type of drug, like LSD, mm, was making people think a lot about life, about everything, about like the, the purpose in life, about those type of things. So that was the period when when the US, I think, was the was in war with Vietnam, and that was making a lot of the young people to think about it because it was like before that was like okay, like I, I'm 18, I am gonna go and become a military. And, Mm -hmm. and that, like not too much think about around it but it started to make people like think like okay is this like does it make sense for me to go to a war like yeah. is this a war even and that made a lot of people start to to think about it so that was why like the government said like okay like we don't like that we need more soldiers mm -hmm. so just like let's put this drug with with the other drug um so again I don't know the, how real is that. I, I know that I listened to to a, a good source whenever they were they were. I, I actually listened that in on a, on a podcast. Um, so I I think yeah that like that period of like had a lot of experimentation, a lot of things that's very very interesting. Interesting. That makes sense. Like yeah. I totally see it. I have heard the conspiracy theory that it was like big pharma. In that big pharma, like, well, whatever, the ongoing conspiracy that, like, there's more interest in treating illness than curing it because there's more money in treatment. But I have heard, I know a couple people have done ketamine therapy. Have you heard of this? Mm, I've, I've heard a little bit. I'm not very familiar with it, but I've heard a, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, they do, like, ketamine and then have, like, an intense therapy session. And apparently it's, like, very cathartic for, like, certain types of trauma. Yeah, I, I I know that now there's a lot of research going going behind that. Uh, that is very interesting. And like the, the type of research that I've heard about, it's more around uh, LSD and psilocybin. That's a that's a mushroom. Um, yeah. That like from what I understand is that whenever the brain is on those drugs, it becomes very malleable. Uh, so if you pair that with with good uh, therapy and with a good therapy session mm -hmm. that can lead to a lot of uh, trauma resolving uh, because of the brain is in this malleable state. Of course, um, you have to do this with an expert and with somebody that knows what's, what they are doing because they, these things can be very dangerous too. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's very interesting though, that research that's going on around that. Yeah, it's really cool. I hope like we keep going in that direction. And like, I know, I I don't know. I'm I'm really a fan of finding like alternative medicine to just you know treating symptoms and actually like getting at the root of thing. But I think that stuff is so cool. Yeah, I agree. It's well, it's uh, we we really went th through a time you know, <laughs> what we were talking about, but I I really like to talk about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, oh god, like, are we allowed to talk about this? Yeah, I, I that was also in in the back of my head, but yeah, <laughs> it, 
you know, I, w- I was going to ask, do you think some of your cooking, um, like, ha- has been inspired in any way from, like, uh, all this type of food that your mom used to used to give you whenever you were a kid? Because you were saying that, that she gives you, a, she used to give you a lot of salads and a lot of mm-hmm. this type of healthy and holistic food. And I know that also you're the type of, Uh, content that you put and the type of food that you that you uh, put there it's also like in the healthy side it's like also like uh, uh, not not only like taste tastes good because it really looks like it tastes good but it's also very healthy content do you think you get you get uh, some from from your mom too yeah oh totally like growing so i lived in san francisco for 10 years um and they were my parents were definitely like on the healthy crunchy side so i like i don't think i had mcdonald's till i was 16 like it was they were those type of parents so i didn't even i wasn't even exposed to like any form of really like unhealthy food till college and so growing up like all the food i cooked was like fresh fruits and vegetables like meat stuff like that so i was like heavily heavily influenced like i remember the first time i had chick-fil-a vividly that was like oh really at that point i want to say i was like 17 or 18 like were you like with friends or was was it like with your your, oh this was with friends this was not under my parents roof i was like (laughs) (laughs) um, i felt like experience the the grilled chicken nuggets with the chick-fil-a dipping sauce and the waffle fries and Oh my god! And a diet, uh, not a diet coke, a Coca Cola, like from. I, oh my! The first time I had Coca Cola from a fast food restaurant, I was like, "It's so good!" Like what? <laughs> um, yeah, I get why people have a problem with this stuff. Um, my god, my parents were probably right on this one. That is a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Were you were you feeling guilty whenever you were whenever you were eating that? Like, were you saying like, "Oh my god, if my if my mom would see me right now eating this Chick Fil A"? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My parent, my mom saw that I had McDonald's on my credit card once, and she thought it was fraud and asked me. About it. <laughs> I love that. I, and I was like so embarrassed. I was like, "No, that was me." <laughs> I had to like explain it. I was like, it was really late. It was the only thing that was open. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I was embarrassed. Every time I go to like a fast food restaurant, I still feel a little bit of like guilt about it. Like, oh, jeez. Yeah, I bet. I bet. That's that's so funny though. Yeah, but... I, I love that. Um, awesome, Violet. Thank you so much. It's been very fun to to talk with you. Um, if people want to to connect with you, or if they want to learn more about the recipes that you make, what's the best place for them to to follow you or reach you? Um, I get. I'm. I respond to like pretty most of my Instagram DMs. I try to. So if you wanna, if you have any questions or anything like that, uh, DM me on uh, Instagram at Violet Witchell. Uh, yeah. Or follow me on tiktok if you want to see more recipes awesome that that's great and violet i think um i need to share with you a recipe for ecuadorian ceviche so you can oh my gosh you can do it on your on your tiktok i think that would be amazing i i i that's one of the dishes that i know how to make uh, that's ecuadorian ceviche that's my go-to whenever i want to impress somebody so i should share that recipe with you i love ceviche i would love that <laughs> awesome Violet, thank you so much. It was great meeting you today. Thank you so much. Bye.